Please pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank You for Your great grace, for Your infinite wisdom, and Father, for Your mercy fullness. Father, we thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, to save Your people. Oh, Father, we rejoice with great joy. We thank You that You've called us to be children. And Father, we glory in that. We enjoy one another and we enjoy You. And we thank You for our Savior. Oh, Father, by Your grace, enable us to worship in spirit and in truth this day. And Father, give us what we need for the days ahead. We ask You this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, please hear a word of exhortation this morning. One year comes to a close and another is about to begin a word of exhortation. Exhortation to patience. Exhortation to endurance. In His discourse on the Mount of Olives, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave words of instruction to His disciples. He told them of the coming destruction of Jerusalem. And He warned them to be ready to flee when things got really bad. In Dr. Luke's Gospel, in the context of these dire warnings about impending destruction, even familial betrayal, Christ gives His disciples a word of exhortation. And He tells them, In your patience... Possess ye your souls. That's the old King James Version. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Luke 21, 19. I believe the English Standard Version says, In your endurance, you will gain your lives. I like in your patience, possess ye your souls better. But you get the point. Brothers and sisters, listen, to possess the soul is to have life. So Jesus' exhortation to His disciples in the immediate context of these dreadful warnings of doom and destruction, His exhortation to them is, be patient. Be patient. Endure. Our God, listen, our God often exhorts us, His people, to patience, to endurance. In the beloved Apostle's heavenly vision, when he is in the Spirit on the Lord's day, he sees a vision in the heavenly realm, and of this vision he says, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for yet a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Revelation 6 9 through 11. 
Did you hear that? The word of exhortation offered to these martyrs of Jesus is be patient. Be patient. Rest a little while. Rest a little while. Wait. Wait on the Lord. And brothers and sisters, listen, you, you, you may not find that exhortation to patience to be a satisfying exhortation, but hear me. It is a Christian exhortation. And the Word of God to the martyred souls in heaven and the Word of Jesus to the troubled saint on this earth is be patient. Wait. Endure. In Holy Scripture, when the great Apostle Paul describes that fruit that is yielded in the lives of the saints indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, the description of that fruit includes the term patience. It's often said patience is a virtue, but she won't always wait. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Endurance. Or in the Old English, long-suffering. Now, we know, listen, we know that where the Spirit of God is, the sovereign Spirit is. The Spirit of God is sovereign. And listen, we know that it is impossible for the sovereign Spirit of God to be in a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl, and for that man, woman, boy, or girl not to possess the fruit which that sovereign Spirit yields. Right? And we affirm that all of God's children possess the Holy Spirit of God. So it follows that all of God's children are, to some degree or another, fruit bearers. All of God's children are, to some degree or another, fruit bearers. Now, if you've gardened at all, even, even if you just had a little salsa garden, you know how interesting it is to see plants grow. And I've seen peppers in the same big planter, and one little pepper bush would have three or four times as many peppers as the bush right next to it. Why? Same water, same sun, I don't know. And beloved, listen, so it is with the saints of God. Some are more fructiferous than others. But it is the responsibility of all the saints to cultivate their own gardens. It's the responsibility of saints to cultivate their own gardens with the goal being bearing fruit. Christian fruit is both visible and invisible. Fruit in the Christian life, listen, can be the transformation of our character so that we more closely approximate the character of our Lord Jesus 
And fruit in the Christian life can be that blessed occasion of being used of God in the conversion of a sinner into a saint. But all God's children bear fruit. It was our Lord who said, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. John 15:5. And he said, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. John 15:16. And the fruit of the Spirit, the great apostle teaches, is patience. The fruit of the Spirit is endurance. Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26. The 26th chapter of Genesis and look there to verse 6. The Bible says, And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say she is my wife. Lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife. How saidst thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done to us? One of the people might have lightly lain with thy wife, and thou should have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all of his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them up and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us. For thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. 
And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Well, here we see Isaac, the son of promise, God's man, and we see him vexed by his enemies. And what does he do? Does he strive? Does he tell them, my father dug these wells, you idiots. You fill them in and I redug them. And now you want them, but bug off. Is that what he does? No. He retreats. And he even does it again. Beloved, listen, in, in this narrative, Isaac is an embodiment of the grace of patient endurance, putting up with a lot. Enduring patiently. He suffers long. He is long-suffering. He is patient. And the result is there in verse 24. Look, God appears to Isaac and renews the covenant promise that he had made to Abraham and said, I am with you. Now, The Apostle Peter speaks of this kind of patience. He writes, This is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it when you are buffeted for your faults that you take it patiently? But if when you do well, you suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2, 19 through 21. How did Jesus suffer? As a lamb before his shearers is dumb. Listen, brothers and sisters, it's easy to have patience when we don't need it. When everything is going along just as we think it should, why? Why we might think, I, I'm a patient person. We're, we're patient people. But true patience, listen, true patience is both built and revealed by trial. What use is patience if it's not called for? When everything is smooth sailing, Patience is not a problem. Not a problem. It's uncalled for. And listen, it would be nonsense to say of a man in smooth circumstances, oh, he's a patient man. Well, sure he is. Sure he is. That would be nonsense. And and how would we know? But when a man is put on trial, that's when his patience is tested. That's when... 
His endurance is needed. And that's when true patience is revealed. Beloved, listen. There's a reason why Job is held up for us as an example. Job's patience was tried. It was tested. And his patience is cited for us as exemplary. In James chapter 5, the apostle writes, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Now, listen, when James addresses his readers, he assumes that they've heard the story of Job. And having heard the story, he assumes that they are familiar with the patience of Job. Just a brief excursion. James' assumption was probably valid. They probably did know the story of Job. And when he talked about the patience of Job, it resonated with their thinking. And they said, yep, you're right. I know about Job. Maybe not, but probably so. But (laughs) it's my firm conviction that the idea of Christendom does more harm than good these days. We who have grown up in the United States of America have benefited from the Judeo-Christian ethic, which has informed so many of our institutions and laws. That's just a fact. But we who are Christians in this atmosphere are far too ready to believe that our neighbors are operating with the same thought structure that we have. And friend, they're not. They're not. I believe if I were to use that phrase, the patience of Job in a high school classroom a hundred years ago, maybe even 50 years ago in this nation, I believe that my words would have resonated in general with my hearers. Some would know better, but all would know some. But what about today? I mean, what about today? If I walked into any high school in the DFW area and made the statement, you know, your teacher has the patience of Job. Who would get it? I submit to you that my words would be as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. They would hear the sound of my speech. It would vibrate on their eardrums. But they wouldn't hear with understanding. Now, 
thank God that there are some who would know of Job. But the sad fact, listen, the sad fact is that today even many professing Christians cannot hear whenever I mention the patience of Job. What, what? I think that's a book in the Bible. I'm afraid that many cannot hear with understanding. But listen, friend, there's hope. Much, much hope. Because this can be remedied. It can be remedied by reading. Paul teaches that faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And listen, I submit to you that reading is a kind of hearing... And if we would do our Christian friends some good, we should encourage them to read their Bibles. So that's just a little sermon within the sermon. There's a new year coming. I encourage you, saints, read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's a kind of hearing. And if you want to do your Christian friends some good, encourage them to read their Bible. We can't assume that our Christian friends, much less our non-Christian friends, are familiar with the Holy Scriptures. Many, many times we may have to, as my dad says, put the cookies on the lower shelf. Explain exactly what you mean, because that, that patience of Job, you lost me there. I know that I, as many of you are, are saddened by the loss of biblical literacy in our society. And it saddens me that lots of people don't know who Samson is, or Lot, or Abraham, or Jonah. But listen, what really saddens me is that a lot of them don't know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And if putting the cookies on the lower shelf introduces a needy sinner to the Savior. We can do that, friend. We can do that, can't we? And then we can encourage the saved sinner to read his Bible. So listen. Listen, brothers and sisters, have patience. Oh, have patience. Have patience with sinners. Have patience. They're lost. And they don't even know they're lost. Have patience. Hear the word of Jesus, saints. In your patience possess ye your souls. James reminds us of the patience of Job because we often need to be reminded of what we've heard. For we are far too ready to forget. We're also slow to consider and meditate on what we've heard. And so it's profitable to have our memories refreshed. I tell you here often, nothing new. Nothing new, just some old truth. And I've told you before, if a preacher comes in with something new, your baloney detector should be firing up. Nothing new here. So remember the patience of Job. That's an apostolic word. Remember the patience of Job. I ask you, brothers and sisters, is it true that in our lives today we have great need of patience, of endurance? Well, hear me, beloved. 
between here, this day, and heaven, we have no guarantee that the road will be easy or that there'll be smooth sailing. As a matter of fact, using just the eye of my flesh, when I look to the horizon, I see trouble. Trouble. Trouble political. Trouble financial. And for some, God forbid, trouble familial. Or trouble ecclesiastical. Church trouble. Trouble. And brethren, we need the patience of the saints. The voice of wisdom says, be patient. Be patient. Be long-suffering. Endure. For the trials will surely come. I believe we're in, in exhorted over and over again to be patient because to do so is a great attainment. Beloved, it, it's not child's play. Listen, it is not child's play to be dumb as the sheep before her shearers. It's not child's play to lie still while the shears are taking away all that has warmed and comforted us. The mute Christian under the afflicting rod is not an everyday person. That beautiful phrase, the mute Christian under the afflicting rod, is the title of a famous book written by an old Puritan, Thomas Brooks. The mute Christian under the afflicting rod. Beloved, it's difficult to be mute under the rod of affliction. We'll kick like an ox that felt the goad for the first time. And most of us are like a young bull, unaccustomed to the yoke. It just doesn't fit me very well. And the word that we need to hear in our hearts, listen, is be patient. Be patient. Endure. In your patience, possess ye your souls. It's our tolerant and forgiving Heavenly Father who tells us that. Be patient. I'm patient with you. It's the precious Holy Spirit of God, ever patient in our frustration, who calls us to be patient. And it's Jesus, the eternal Son, our mute and unmurmuring sacrifice, who calls to us, be patient. The Holy Trinity says to the saints, be patient. And brothers and sisters, listen, we can do this. It is doable. The Apostle James exhorts us multiple times to patience. And then, by way of encouragement to obey, he commends Job for our consideration. To be a patient man, to be a patient woman, he says, this is not an unheard of thing. It can be done. Remember Job? That's what he's doing. 
He's saying, you can, you can endure. Remember Job? He did. The patience of Job was the patience of a man like us. A man imperfect and full of weakness. And, and I, I thank God that the Holy Scriptures reveal Job's impatience as well. So we know that he was a man subject to like passions as we are. And Job was tested and tried mightily. He was tested in his wealth. All his assets were taken away. Everything. The only servants that were left after the disaster were the ones who brought him the bad news. Everybody else was dead. The flocks were gone, scattered. And a few servants were left to come back and say, You lost everything. It's all gone. Remember, I, I only am escaped alive to, t- to tell you. The good news is this. You have heard of the patience of Job in the loss of his property and wealth. And listen, friend, haven't you seen that even if all of your wealth is lost, God is still your rich father? I'm sorry, friend, this is not a fun sermon. God might take everything you've got. But he won't take himself away. Job was tested in his family. All of Job's children were killed without warning, dying right while they were feasting and drinking. They died suddenly when a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, and instantly it collapsed, killing them all. But this patient man, upheld by God, upheld by his faith, falls down in worship before the Almighty and says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What? Yeah, he did. That's what the Bible says. Beloved, are you patient? Let's be patient. Let's endure. This man, Job, this man was tried and tested in his body. He was so afflicted with disease and pain that he couldn't find relief. But he endured. He was patient. And maybe the worst affliction was the anguish, the distress of mind. Surely it was a grief to him when his wife offered her foolish counsel, curse God and die. However she meant it, or however her words should be translated, she spoke like a foolish woman when her husband needed wise comfort and support. And then you remember those miserable comforters, his three friends? Huh. With friends like that, they only added to his misery. But James says, you have heard of the patience of Job. 
And the patience of Job was the patience of a man who endured all the way to the end. He didn't break, ever. He endured. Uh, There were traces of weakness evident, but they are wonderfully covered by God's grace so that this tried and broken man can in patience say, he knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I will come forth as gold. Job 23.10 And he can say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand upon the earth after my skin has been destroyed. Yet in my flesh, I will see God. Job 19.25 and 26. My brothers and sisters, if I think comparatively about myself and Job, I tremble. I tremble. (laughs) What about you? I trust that if you compare yourself to Job, that you too will tremble. But listen, but listen, when I think rightly, my fear can evaporate. Because listen, by the power of my God, I can patiently endure whatever God sends my way. Do you believe that, friend? Do you believe that? I'm telling you, Christian, by God's grace, you can patiently endure whatever God sends your way. You can. Do you believe that no matter what the trial, but that by the power of God, you can endure it? I believe that Paul was absolutely convinced. In Romans chapter 8, he wrote, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword As it's written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul had come to believe that no matter what came, he could endure it. No matter what. And his confidence, listen, his confidence that he could endure it was not self-confidence. It was Christ-confidence. Did you get that? It wasn't self-confidence. It was Christ-confidence. And listen, brethren, what God can do for one man, what God can do for one woman, He can do for another man. He can do for another woman. It is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others. He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret 
what God can do. He did it for Job. He did it for Paul. He can sustain you and me, friend. Now the story of Job is troubling on several accounts. One of the most troubling things about it is the satanic involvement. You remember that it's Satan who attacks upright Job. But listen, for us, for we who believe that God is God and rules in absolute sovereignty, the good thing to know is this, Jehovah was ruling. He was in charge. He wasn't a spectator during the trials of Job. He was the master of the entire situation. And Satan had to ask permission to even touch Job. Beloved, listen. May this be a comfort and an encouragement to us. For patience. Listen, no matter how dire the trial, the sovereign God that we serve is the master of the situation. Do you believe that? I'm just going to tell you it's true. And I believe it's a truth that we need to be reminded of endlessly. Because we believe it, but we forget it. We forget it so quick when trouble comes. He rules over all, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? What are you doing? We serve the Almighty, and listen, there is nothing, no thing beyond His control. The Prince of Preachers said of this passage, the dog of hell is allowed to snap and snarl, but his chain is not removed, and the collar of omnipotent restraint is upon him. So Christ and His holy apostles exhort us to patience to long-suffering, to endurance. And we find the grace of patience in the Old Testament patriarchs, and we find it in the New Testament saints. But let me remind you of something. We spoke earlier about the sovereignty of God's Spirit and the impossibility that one who is indwelt by the Spirit of God wouldn't bear godlike, godly fruit. But... (laughs) Beloved, listen, this grace of patience, it's coming to all of us. And it's coming whether we want it or not. Our Lord Jesus taught that in this world we would have trouble. You remember His words, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16.33 The great Apostle Paul chose to rejoice in the tribulation, in the trials that he suffered. In Romans 5 he says, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. I've been through that. I know I can handle it. How do you know? I've done it. Been through it. 
So Jesus says that in the world we'll have trials, and Paul teaches that trials bring patience. They bring perseverance. So, so what should we do? Well, the writer to the Hebrews has some great counsel for us. In Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of fame of faith, he catalogs the heroes of faith, and he holds them forth as examples to us. And after encouraging us with all these heroes of the faith, he says, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He says, all these heroes have gone before us. And it's, it's like they're a great crowd of spectators around a racetrack. But each spectator has won the same race that we're now running. And it's as if, it's as if all these expert runners are yelling coaching advice to us while we're running. They're yelling coaching advice and we should listen because these ones that are yelling are the greatest runners ever and what are they saying listen what are they saying they're saying look to Jesus look to Jesus look to Jesus they're saying run with patience run with perseverance endure and look there's Jesus So brothers and sisters, hear a word of exhortation this morning. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Live patiently. Endure, saints. Suffer long and endure the trials of this life, knowing that a loving Father has ordained each one And beloved, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. What's your advice for the new year, preacher? Look to Jesus. Please stand with me for prayer. Let us pray. Glorious God, it is the flame of my life to worship Thee, the crown and glory of my soul to adore Thee, heavenly pleasure to approach Thee. Give me power by Thy Spirit to help me worship, that I may forget the world, be brought into fullness of life, be refreshed, comforted, blessed. Give me knowledge of Thy goodness that I may not be overawed, Give me Jesus, Son of Man, Son of God, that I might not be terrified, but be drawn near with filial love, even with holy boldness. He is my mediator, brother, interpreter, branch, daysman, lamb. Him I glorify, in Him I am set up on high. Crowns to give I have none, but what? Thou hast given, I return. Content to feel that everything is mine, 
when it is thine, and the more fully mine when I have yielded it to thee. Let me live wholly to my Savior, free from distractions and worldly care, from the hindrances to the pursuit of the narrow way. I am pardoned through the blood of Jesus. Give me a new sense of it. Continue to pardon me by it. May I come every day to the fountain and every day be washed anew that I may worship Thee always in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, Amen. I have a handout for you to take home with you today. Michael, would you distribute those? It's John Plowman's talk on patience. Do you know who John Plowman was? John Plowman was a character developed by Charles Haddon Spurgeon to teach deep truths to common people. So, saints, as this year winds down and a new one begins, endure. In your patience, possess ye your souls. God bless you.